0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport.
1: Powered by fans.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing... Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20 get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? Sold! Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus
3: taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Ben Wilmer, and you are listening to Every Step Along the Way podcast.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special anniversary milestone, 150th episode of Every Step Along the Way. And what what a result to be reviewing! 1 0 home win against Leeds. Live on Sky, of all things, as well, Mark. Doesn't get much better than this, does it?
1: No, it certainly doesn't. And the fact that I was at the stadium uh, means that it actually wasn't live on Sky, so it still doesn't count as winning on Sky because I was at the game, so it doesn't count for me. Uh, but, yeah, yeah 100%. 100% um, I, w- I went there and... I was confined to a loss. Actually, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I, I mean I'm on Radio Stoke. I did say it was going to be a two-one win, so I'm kind of contradicting myself, I guess. But. I think, like a lot of people, we were going there hoping that you know we could hopefully back up a good you know a good win previously with a decent result. I think most of us would have taken a point uh, before kickoff when we saw some of the team lineups and stuff like that. And uh, you know, we'll talk about individuals in a minute, but uh, I think some of us were a little bit worried in certain positions. But you know what, like it was. It, it was better than I expected uh when you know if we want to break down like you know the the, the first half I guess to to begin with Dan I thought we were, were quick out the blocks I mean what was it Henry crossing for vidigal after 48 seconds if I remember looking at the actual screen so you know great start great energy um the pace and and that that interchange and play and just just the whole Front line just being awkward for, for other teams really creates problems. Something we've desperately, desperately missed. So, you know, we've, we've started really, really well. Um, we made a point, or sorry, you made a point before kickoff. I mean, um, when, when you look back at the at the first half, I thought we were completely and utterly dominant. Um, you thought the same. I know I made a comment to a, a Leeds fan in our chat who probably wasn't very impressed, but they didn't show anything for me first half. Now I'm not. I mean, second half we'll get on to, but um, I don't know about you, mate. But I, I just they weren't the leads that I was expecting, and to be honest, it wasn't the lineup of leads that I expected either.
0: And, um, I mean, talking of lineups, we obviously, you know, Pearson was giving the armband, um, sort of hot potatoing around at the minute since this captain's armband. Um, Ender Stevens was rested, and obviously Jordan Thompson come in, and I know there was there was a bit of uh, worry or. Confusion, shall we say, around that that decision pre kick off.
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit, and I admit, I'll absolutely put my hat in there. Like, I think, like me, and this isn't calling me out. This is just saying what I think ninety nine point nine percent of the population thought. Like Thompson left back. Oh my god, what a ridiculous decision! Um, when you got Junior and stuff, but you know what? As I thought, he had a great first half, Thompson. But um, well, we've seen him have some dire games in midfield and stuff like that. Um, and I think Alex Neal got his spot on. It gave us that balance down the left-hand side. Now, yeah, he was never going to be a, a Henry, you know, going forward and crossing balls into the box and, and all that. That's obviously not going to be what you get from from Thompson. But you've got to give him credit. You know, he, he was... On the front foot, there was a number of early tackles that came in and he made sure he got in front of his man and, and sorted them out. He he stamped his authority down that side. Um, so, yeah, all credit to Thompson. I think he, he showed a lot of us up uh, for last night. Now, do I think that means he's a changed man? Absolutely not. But you can't fault the guy's effort for that first half at all.
0: No, I thought he was, um, yeah, I think it was a bit of an eye-raiser when he was named, but, uh, yeah, I think actually, like I say, got it spot on. Give a natural, Having a natural left footer out there, just like you sort of hinted at there, give us a nice balance, into um, As good as Junior's done or Gooch, they are naturally right-footed, and you can't get away from that, can you, when you're playing there? Um, and, yeah, I think, obviously, having two right-footed centre-halves as well, just... Max evens it up, and I think you need at least one left footer in your back four, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, I thought you did well, very well, Jordan Thompson. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously moving sort of into the game, like you sort of said there, you felt the were disappointing in the first half, I must agree. I thought there was no real threat from them. They, they played like a bunch of strangers, and I thought I don't know how much of that was down to them, or how much of it was down to us. I think we were relentless, to be fair. I think we were we were closing down, uh, we were snappy in the tackle, we were winning it in midfield, and we were always looking forward and we were being proactive, forward thinking, which is something the manager's been banging on for for months, actually, about how he wants his teams to play. Um, <clears throat> I think these, this was definitely. Um, I look at what Alex Neil wants the team to play like, and I'm not saying they always cracked it, and we're going to be fantastic every week. But I think when he's on about being forward-thinking, being positive, being on the front foot, in the, you know off the ball and on the ball, I think that first half there is you know if he can sort of sit the players down and go, yeah, this is what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I was I was literally about to say the same thing. I th- we got that pressing game perfect. I think you can't let a team like Leeds... I mean, I still think Leeds will get promoted this season. I just think when they've got some injuries at the minute, when they get everybody back fit, they get everyone back rearing, I think they will do extremely well um, this year. Potentially automatics for me, alongside Leicester. I think Ipswich will drop off. But um, still, I, again, I do think they're a very good team. We, we had the game plan spot on. Everyone pressed as a unit. You know, you saw it when they had a goal kick. You know, you've got uh, Johnson, Vidigal, and Larice pushed right up, knowing that they would they wouldn't just lump the ball forward. That's not how they play. So we gave that pressure, and while we didn't necessarily um, intercept any particular key moments, what that obviously did do is that it made them play quick. You know, balls where they couldn't really have loads and loads of time to think about it and try and build something. So I I was really, really impressed. And, you know, one, one thing, and not just for the first half, two people who really impressed me, Luke McNally, Michael Rose. I thought they were both absolutely exceptional. Um, last night, and, and again, both have come in for some stick, they they had a good game, actually, um, bar the mistake for Rose, of course, but by and large, they had a good game, integral in the win against Sunderland, like, that was as good as they've played, either individually or together, they didn't make, a, from what I can remember, one single mistake, like, they were there, mopping up, they never looked in danger, which is absolute credit to them, because with the, again, the ability that Leeds have got, I was worried that that's going to be where we came stuck. But at no point did I ever feel concerned about either of them, which is actually probably the first time I've, I can say that uh, about a home game this season. Really wasn't concerned. That was as good as I've seen Berger play. Um, he was all over the place, 110 effort. The guy only needs one boot to, to play
0: football. and still the, the the bootless foot was the one killing a crossfield ball, wasn't there? And then complaining when oh come on, <laughs> what are not that for? I'm playing with one boot here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was, the referee's not going to stop the game because he's lost his boot. I mean, as far as the referee's yeah, concerned, you know I mean, just uh, get your bloody boot back on. And, 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 and no, I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, he played he just, the he ball to Vidigal.
0: Yeah, he played the ball to Vidigal. I think Vidigal lost the header and he was like, come on, we could have won that. <laughs>
1: the, the, the ref's not going to stop the game until he put his boot on. The ref's going to say, "Luke, you need to figure it out yourself. It's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. um, so I just, yeah, I just thought he was he was great. He did not stop. Um he, he did nothing. I mean, for me, he was man of the match, Dan. And there was a few players out there who could have uh, got that. Lloris is another one. What a, that guy is, just gets better and better. The, the one downside for me, actually, not was Lloris. Lloris won everything in the air. And he's got no right to win everything in the air sometimes. His leap is Ronaldo-esque. Like, he wins it. My problem was, was Ryan May was not... Getting hardly any of them flick-ons, and you could see and you could feel it in the crowd. I'm not sure if it translated at home, but the amount of times, especially in the second half, where it was like yet again, Laris beats his man, and May is nowhere near it. Which I think is why Alex Neal brought on, you know, Wesley, because he saw that we just that that was coming. That was our game plan: goal kick straight to Larice. Laris should be flicking it on, and we're giving it straight back to them, and they come at us again. So I think it was. As much as people like Chris, Alex Neal, I think spotting that for Ryan and bringing on, you know, Wesley was um, a perfect decision. But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself going to the, to the strike force. But yeah, Berger, brilliant. Pearson, excellent yet again, other than the obvious penalty, which uh, people yes, said he, he slipped. Bit, and no all credit to him, he said that he didn't slip. He uh, made a mistake.
0: Yeah, he sort of lost his head a bit for about sixty seconds, didn't he? There was because they what you know, they were kicking lumps out of him all week, all game. It was as if they were you know, they were thinking, let's get let's get this guy a card, let's get him reacting. You know, he's got a short fuse, let's keep digging out him, digging. And he was like you, know, the amount of times he turned to the ref as if say, are you gonna protect me here and more? And the ref just let things keep going, keep going. And and eventually you know, he has got a short fuse, and he's going to bite. He's going to go and protect himself, isn't he? If he's not getting any protection off the ref, and uh, I think, yeah, I think he he's all built up and come to a bit of a head with that penalty because he did had a tit for tat with Dan James, is he? Who'd left one on him a few seconds earlier. He got you. Know, he chased him down. Um, he slung. him literally slung him out of the way as he run past. He grabbed him. Spun him round. Chucked him out of the way. Um, and then obviously we won the ball back. There's him and Berger, but sort of tried a little something a bit too intricate in, in that sort of own third of the field. and not they lost, lost the ball one pass her in? And like I say, he's t- t- tried to tackle him from the wrong side, brought him down. And it was it was a penalty. Um, but it's what yeah, confidence
1: well, does for you, though, isn't it, Dan? Because you know they're the building confidence and they've got the confidence to go and do that in a pressurised situation. Maybe, you know, a couple of weeks beforehand, they're just lumping that long and saying, forget this. But it's it it's still it shows a, d- a degree of confidence for me that, you know, I do believe in my own ability. I do think we can do this. You know, I think we can work together. And I, that that partnership was brilliant for me.
0: I think as well, that, that that's where, I mean, we keep banging on about it game after game, but that's where, like, your gelling comes in and understanding each other's game, trusting, you know, having the trust... Pearson trusting Berger to receive the ball there, knowing what he's capable of and what he's going to do and how he's going to re- react in that situation. Like, you know, but Pearson, I bet Pearson's played with midfielders who he would never have thought and dreamt of giving the ball on the edge of his own box, yeah, with he facing his own goal kind of thing, with a couple of players around him, because they're the kind of players who would have gone, I don't want the ball here, mate. <laughs> do you know what, what am I going to do with this? And like I say, so it comes with knowing your teammates, don't it? And the more they're starting to play together now, now we've got more of our, our sort of, you know, people say Alex Steele doesn't know his first 11. I think he's not had his first 11 fit to play together. And now they are starting to get more of those names on the team sheet regularly. They're starting to learn each other's games more. And I think this is where we're going to benefit now over the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And the fact that Berger and Pearson are both one yellow card away from another suspension, if I remember rightly. I think Berger got uh, a booking. I saw in the paper post-match against Sunderland, which I think puts him one away. Um, so I think the fact that neither of them got a yellow card was pretty incredible. Uh, Thompson was the only one for us, I think, who actually got a yellow. Um, so I wouldn't have liked to go into Middlesbrough without Berger and without Pearson. That would be uh, well, I mean Josh Lorraine actually when he did well, he did well when he came on put himself about, but I wouldn't want him and Thompson in that two kind of defensive midfield spaces for example, so that that is, that's a relief, uh, we, we got away with that um,
0: we, and I we think i sorry. Oh, sorry, on the subject of, of, of these people one away from booking we've actually got four players, well we've got five, but Ben Romo was injured at the minute but the four active players if you like, players that we've got one away. We might have to have some tactical yellow cards here later on in the game, maybe a bit of back chat to the ref uh, because it's Josh Loren, Jordan Thompson, uh, Votterberger and Daniel Johnson. So so if they all pick up a booking on the same day, then Ben Pearson's got a bit of a job on his hands the game after, hasn't he?
1: We'll, we'll we'll start roping in the un, the under 18s just to just to fill them spaces um
0: yeah so I'm thinking maybe maybe if the manager says right okay if if none of you four have been booked last minute then uh, Josh you you get a booking this week next mm-hmm. week <laughs> yeah you're out and then uh, yeah Daniel Johnson yeah you you get a booking this week last minute as long as none of you have been booked uh, suspended then uh, you go you know, just leave one late on there number 10 there get a yellow card. <laughs>
1: well I'd probably argue Dan if we're we're talking about being tactical about it right so we'll come probably towards the back end of this just to get thoughts on points but if we're going to do anything I think we Middlesbrough is going to be a bloody hard game I mean they all are anyway right we've been fourth and third so we we can we can beat Middlesbrough whether we will is another thing but we can but if you think after that you know we've got some points and maybe games without being too condescending to the, the opposition I mean I, if we lost one versus, say, a Cardiff and another one versus a Blackburn and a QPR, I think there's actually good times to lose them people and, and, and wipe that a little bit. So I wouldn't be against that so much, um, but I just don't think we can lose them, two or three of them in one game. It would that's, be too it,
0: much it, to it, ask. That's, just, a that was just just wipe. Yeah, it's could pity we're into the situation before we played Leicester away.
1: Just all of you got yeah, <laughs> right, That was right off. <laughs> well, who would have gone in central defence if uh, Josh Loren was, was boot, mate? Eh? <laughs> Could be I know, It was Vidigal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, anyway. Uh, what yeah. did you think of uh, Ryan May out of interest? I, I, I thought he was a bit quieter um, last night, but... Put himself
0: back it, still. It, yeah, I like him in that final third. I think that's where we need to get him on the ball and in the final third. Um I think he he can get the build up, he? he can play in the midfield and you know on the halfway line when we're defending and, and you know, carry it and counter attacking. But I really like him on the edge of the box. I think he's got a really good intricate. I think there was a few intricate passes with Vidal and Berger, where you know, there was sort of one touch pass a move pass a move, and then all of a sudden one on was in. I know he had the one into that. That's how he sort of got himself in on goal uh, right at the end of the first half into where the defender was trying to shepherd it back to the keeper, and he's uh, you know through his legs towed it. pretty uh, stuck his his leg. Between the defender's legs and uh, nutmeg the goalkeeper and then got cleared just off the line Um, he was unfortunate with that I like him I think he's put himself around I think he's definitely a different option to anything else we've got in the squad and he's a good he's a good sort of number nine if you like I know he's 19 but (laughs) in the old fashioned like you know centre forward Uh, but not but not sort of old fashioned if you know what I mean he's a he plays up there he, he's a good man to hit um but also like say in and around the box that's where he really comes to really comes alive and it shows that he's got good players around him uh, yeah i think he's a he's a real talent yeah
1: and i think to finish off the talking to the players vidigal While didn't really have an awful lot of menacey first half. There was a couple of headers, I think he, and he probably wishes he would have taken a little bit better. Uh, But that guy's been lethal, so you you can forgive him not being bang on this time. Uh, But yeah, I thought he again he he didn't really have other than that a lot more kind of contribution. But I think the one thing again, a little bit like Ryan, right? He. He's a he's a problem for defenses. So even if he's not there on the end of the shot, you know, stretching play, separating, you know, the centre backs, he's having more of an impact elsewhere. So it's more than just goals for me with him. His whole game um, helps everyone else around him. So um, the last couple of games, I think that's what it's been about for him. By and large, I think that's how he's been impacting matches. But yeah, I just I just thought it was a real decent performance. And and like I said, I think Berger. Was my man of the match. I'm not sure if you got a particular one, but um, yeah, burger for me.
0: I suppose we best talk about Wesley, to be fair, because um, it was, it's just a goal. We haven't really touched on that, have we? <laughs> Since, you know, uh, missing the vital piece out <laughs> in the analysis. Uh, for me, I think he's bloody unfortunate, isn't he? I mean, he's had, uh, we say he's had two goals chalked off, but they wouldn't have gone in without. um, interaction from the opposition but the the goal against West Brom in the Cup where he's hit the post, it's hit the keeper on the back of the head and gone in so obviously without the keeper hitting it back in, he he doesn't score either does he? And then last night he's, he's come in, he's hit the underside of the bar He's come down, is it the defender? I think it's hit him in the face, the shoulder, and then it's gone in. Again, it's bouncing away from goal, so without the defender touching it, it doesn't go in. So he's unfortunate in that twice. He's gone off celebrating, thinking he scored, and you know, um neither neither of them will be credited to him. He's still sort of trying to break his duck for the club. Uh, but at the same time, I think he'll take great sort of Great pleasure and great confidence from from getting that shot, and it was a fantastic corner from Henry. It was right in the danger area where you know, defenders are going to hate balls put into there. If you can do that on a regular basis, you can uh, carry on taking corners for me.
1: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was it was a it was a very good cross, a hundred percent. And that's what I mean. I think Johnson obviously against Sunderland and Henry against them from both sides. I mean, it says to me that we've probably been working on our set pieces. Uh, I mean, we couldn't not work on them for how bad we were at defending them, and obviously then equally, you know, we weren't really scoring many from them either. Um, but yeah, I agree. Wesley, he's a handful, isn't he? And I hundred percent said the same today. I work with a a Leeds uh, fan, and he was just kind of saying, you know, he, tongue in cheek, but he was like, "Oh, so you didn't actually score? You needed an own goal to go and win the game?" And I was like, "Mate, if you would have got anything from that, then." a bit of bloody travesty didn't necessarily appear with that uh, agree with that i saw you know that the second half was more than enough for them to try and take three points and uh, yeah uh not 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 for me uh i think we we um at the end of the day he was like throwing me some stats at me second half i was like okay combine the stats from the first half and the second half and there was really nothing in it we had four shots on target to their three so if we're going off stats alone does that mean we should have won anyway because we had more shots on target than you Stats sometimes mean nothing. We took the chance. We got a little bit fortunate. We've had enough bad luck already this season with penalties and stuff. So I don't care. We'll take them how they come. I think Leeds would have taken a own goal last night. So, yeah, for me, Dan, good point on Wesley. I think he's, he's a handful. Um, and I also don't think that Leeds deserved anything, actually, from last night.
0: Well, actually, on that note, that's a perfect time to check in with our Leeds sort of so supporting friend here, Adonis Starr. So, yeah, here's what he thought about the match. Let's see if he thought they deserved anything.
2: Hi, Dan. Uh, Adonis from the Roaring Peacock podcast here. Just some thoughts on the Stoke game. Uh, so, well done uh, for the victory. Um I'm not too bitter. The first half, uh, I thought you guys had more energy than us. Um, for whatever reason, whether that was the long coach down or whatever it was, uh, we just we just weren't on it like we normally are. Um, if you look at the expected goals of the first half, they were about equal. It was about 0.5 You guys had fifty-two percent possession, so just edging it, and you had more shots, but. Yeah, as that sort of expected goals tell the story, I felt like your th- most of your shots weren't that threatening um, and Millier had it pretty much covered. Um, but you did have more of the ball just and you did have more energy. I think that was the main standout for me. But it, it was, yeah, I mean, the whole game was really a game that was lacking quality, really. I thought Ruterre stood out um yeah as the as the guy the one guy on the pitch who was showing much (laughs) higher quality than anybody else and probably the most likely person to score in open play um, i thought hoover did well kiana hoover did well for for you guys Um, second half uh it was it was all leads so it was 12 shots to three um in our favor the expected goals was 1.3 for Leeds uh, to p- p- 0.3 for you guys um i just think that and 55% possession so i, I think just the second half sort of Farko figured it I think figured it out tactically and we we dominated you guys after half time um the the decision to bring on Bamford was, um, yeah, that was a difficult one to take. But, I mean, he did win the penalty. But the, the, the problem with Bamford is he's missed five of his last ten or five of his ten penalties that he's ever taken for Leeds. And he's missed quite a few of the, the, the last ones. And he's he's been out injured a lot and being very, like, not very confident. And I, I don't think, you know, from personal experience as well, you, you cannot build confidence as a striker by taking a penalty. You need to be confident already going in to taking a penalty. You don't build it by taking a penalty. And yeah, it was just terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And, and it swung like, the game swung like whiplash after that. Um, you know you, you guys obviously had all the belief and the momentum that, that gave the fan your home fans a, a bit of a boost as well that penalty miss and you got that belief um and yeah, it was just from our perspective, I think it's it was very unfortunate that it sort of you know come sort of comes off the back of Strauch's head in a sort of bit of a bizarre own goal. I think a draw would have been would have been fair. Probably, um, but you know, if you look at the expected goals and if you look at the, the the chances that we limited to you, even during the first half where you played very well, I thought you know that it was a lot of speculative shots, um, and and for us, I thought we had the momentum in the second half to win it. Uh, he yeah, and 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 the higher quality players uh you guys had more energy so it was quite an even game really low quality championship classic championship game um not a great advertisement for football but uh yeah and obviously very disappointing from our point of view but yeah enjoy your three points <laughs> hopefully it'll be different Ellen road thanks guys
0: Cheers for that, Adonis. Um, yeah, it appears, Mark, that you maybe did feel that they did deserve something. Um, now, you uh, not really putting words in your mouth, but I believe you sort of thought that we sort of, like, I say travesty if we didn't win, and sort of dominated right the way through, didn't
1: you? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we, uh, you're right. I think we dominated the first half. I wouldn't say we dominated the, the second, but while yes, they had. a a good deal of possession there, the majority of the shots in the second half. um, I always had belief that the defence would be good enough to stop them. Um, A little bit of luck at times, yeah, the penalty was, well, I've I've heard it's still rising, uh, if I'm honest. I mean, it was horrendous. Uh, Again, free shot from 12 yards and you put it over like that. Uh, The guy's obviously suffering with some major, you know, (laughs) Well, lack of confidence. He's a he's a great player. I'd love him at Stoke, but uh, again, second half. I think I said to him actually on, on the group chat that if a game was won on stats, then we would have won many more games than we have this season. You know, we've had we've had games where we've been dominating possession and we've gone and lost. Does that mean we deserve to win? No, because we didn't take our chances. Um, you know, you take games however they come. So yeah, look, I I totally respect what he's saying. That's fine. He's got an opinion. My opinion is if Leeds would have got anything from that, um, I think it would have been a travesty, if I'm honest. They didn't deserve a point for me. Um, more possession, more attempts, doesn't always necessarily mean you deserve to win the match.
0: Yeah, just for me rounded off, I thought, first half, we were totally in control. Um, second half, they possibly shaded it in terms of coming forward, you know, creating more chances and whatever, but I thought that it was a very good complete performance for Stoke. Um, like I say, attacking wise, and they were great in the first half and towards the end, and obviously like defensively in the second half, thought we were spot on, which is always good to see because that hasn't been the case for a long, long time, really, defensively. Um, but yeah, I think the only the only if I was possibly any negative um, is maybe we could be a bit more clinical in front of goal um, we should have probably have gone in front at half time we should have been leading I think there's any doubt about that from the chances and the balls and you know, crosses and that they were going in um, at least one should have ended up in the back of the net but alas we did end up uh, you know, winning the game so all is well <laughs> uh, man of the match now third place is Kiana Hoover. Hoover.
1: <laughs> Love that when he does that. <laughs> we, we've got to get the Gooch one going as well. Yeah. Um,
0: second was Mehdi Larice, <laughs> And first place. Walter
1: Berger Aha, yeah you can shove your Thompson up your arse <laughs> just, yes. just for anybody who's wondering what the hell that was I'm I said that if Thompson, Thompson gets man of the match then I would be going to Bell Park uh, I was that confident that he would not get man of the match so I'm quite relieved about that thanks everybody <laughs> yes he did get a vote um, yeah but that was you Dan there's a big bloody difference mate when it's you no,
0: no it wasn't me actually <laughs> it wasn't um, yes, I'm, gutting, I'm gutting Thomas Thompson didn't win it. Uh, my vote went in after I saw that there was no chance of winning it, so I thought, well, I may as well go for it. I actually thought it was Man of the Match. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, Berger, the first player to get three Man of the Matches for us this season in our polls. So, uh, yes, well done to him. Does that
1: surprise you that he's a got a first player, now no, no uh, I, I think he's been I think he's been good overall Dan he's had the odd you know sketchy game but I think by and large I think he's been a, a really good impact
0: but well it's amazing what a couple of wins and double points and all that business uh, can actually do to these player of the season standings because in joint fourth place now it's Andre Vidigal who's dropped down a little bit and Ben Pearson Who's rising right through? They're both on 146 points. Third place is Mehdi Larice with 162. Second place is Walter Berger on 188. And leading the way still is Mark Travers with 205 points. So he was—he had a bit of a gap. He had a bit of uh, a—he yeah, was about 60 points in front a couple of weeks ago. That's been reduced right now. But yeah, Berger and Larice. Uh, now Ben Pearson as well, sort of charging up these this table, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it's it's getting closer, and I mean I, I mean I, I think that's a good thing. Like, do we really want one person running away with it? It probably says that there's only one person contributing. So I think the you know the the closest the it can be the better. And you know what? We haven't actually mentioned Travers. I think he had a, again, another decent game. He was coming for every cross. Uh, He, he was making obviously some crucial saves. I think he has been a really good signing for us. We desperately needed him. Um, And I think, I I think I said to you, actually, I should have mentioned it last week, and the pre-match warm up, uh, somebody took a shot at him. He went to try and kick the ball and it went through his legs. And I was like, Oh, thank God he's not playing. Um, but yeah, Travers deserves a mention as well. So, so we shouldn't miss him out, should we?
0: No. Right, unless you've got anything else you want to add, I think it's time we add into the news. So, under-18s. Last week, they should be Leicester in the uh, under-18s Premier League League Cup. Guess what? Storm Babette postponed. Uh rescheduled now for Tuesday, the fourteenth of November, 7 pm kickoff at Clayton Wood. Uh so yeah, so that game off. No good for Mr. Emery Tesgell is it trying to get the minutes in to get himself back up to match fitness. Uh having two postponements recently. And this week, just like the first team, the they're off to Middlesbrough away on Saturday. So uh, yeah, it's a one pm kickoff at a Rockcliffe Park. So I've done a bit of done a bit of research, done a bit of you know looking at the old maps and stuff. For anyone who's interested, heading up to Middlesbrough, it's uh, thirty three minutes, nineteen miles from Rockcliffe Park to the Riverside. So yeah, one pm kickoff and a three pm kickoff. Uh, yeah, it's half an hour journey, so I don't know if anybody wants, if anyone gets up there early and wants wants to watch, I don't know, the first half an hour or 40 minutes, 45 minutes of, of that match before heading over to the Riverside. Uh, yes, the, 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 uh, the opportunity is there. But yes, uh, under 21s, they've had no official game last week. Uh, we'll get on to why well, it's no official game later on. Uh, but yes, but their first game, first proper game in 32 days, it was being played on Monday, when we welcome Norwich at home, 7 p.m. kickoff. That match is at Clayton Wood, uh, and also the women. Last week they should have played league leaders Burnley at home, but again the storm Babets did for that match as well, uh, and that was postponed. And they have no game this weekend, so yeah, they're going to have uh, two or three weeks off the women in between, thanks to the weather last week. Now loany review. So Matt Baker was at Newport County last season. Monty uh, got the nickname Country File, <laughs> um, yeah. and obviously he's gone back out on loan there. He, went, he was injured when he first went back out uh, this season. He's now fit and he started. He's got back into the straight back into the team there. Um, I think they're sort of playing him as many minutes as he can do bringing him off and building his fitness up uh, but the fact they're doing that in the first team probably shows us you know that he's quite well, highly regarded anyway this is our sort of feedback that we've got from the the Newport camp so have a listen to how Matt's getting on
3: Pranapar or Podladyad 1912 XRs good afternoon from the 1912 XRs podcast I've been asked to give you a bit of an update on Matt Baker, a.k.a. Countryfile, since he came back to Newport County on loan towards the end of the transfer window. A little bit of context, I suppose. Two things to mention. Firstly, obviously, we had him on loan for the second half of last season. It took him a little while to find his form, but he really developed extremely well during those last few months under our manager, Graham Coughlin, himself, of course, a former centre-half. And I think many of us really hoped that we would see Countryfile come back to County but perhaps didn't expect it to happen but um, Countryfile along with Adam Lewis who we had on loan from Liverpool last season both took the decision that even though they could maybe try and engineer a a move higher up the league they wanted to come back to County in the fourth division because they felt that getting first team football under a manager who knew their strengths and weaknesses and was invested in their development was a better choice so we were delighted to see him uh, re-sign although clearly We re-signed him knowing that he was in the middle of a a lengthy layoff due to injury. And so it's only been the last couple of weeks that we've um, seen him return. The other important contextualising factor is that Newport County are dreadful this season. We knew we would be battling against relegation. Um, The fourth division is really strong this year. There's a lot of clubs like Eurexham's, Eunot's Counties, um, who are throwing money about the place. And for County, uh, Newport County, just keeping our head above water this season. Staying clear of the relegation zone will probably be enough. Um, We have the lowest budget in the whole of the Football League. Um... And, yeah, poor Graham Coughlin is trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear in terms of the players he's got available. So poor old Country File is coming into a team who are low on confidence, low on form. And, uh, yeah, he's been thrown in at the deep end. You know, we, we probably would have liked to have waited a bit longer to have brought him back from his injury spell. But, um, yeah, he's found himself called upon already. When we re-signed him I think most of us expected him to feature as a a centre-back either in a back four or a back five Uh, his first couple of starts have actually been as a defensive holding midfielder which I quite like Um, it wasn't what we expected from him but he's a bit taller perhaps than some of our uh, midfielders we've got quite a short squad overall so he's brought a bit of extra height and physicality which again is something we lack Um, and on Friday at home to Walsall he showed a few good touches on the ball. There were a few misplaced passes as well but um, overall I think he, he did his cause um, an awful lot of good. Last night um, we got absolutely battered at Notts County. Uh, probably it's only sensible to take a little bit from, uh, from that game in terms of learning. You know, there's, There will be better teams than us who will go and lose at Notts County who are a strong team this year. Um, but yeah, Countryville did not cover himself in glory during that game. Again, playing in that um, deep defensive midfield role I think the expectation is he is going to be an important part of um, the squad that will hopefully keep us up this season whether he ends up playing as a central defensive midfielder or as a centre half I think long term we'll we'll wait to see what happens with that but um, I would expect him to start probably 20 odd games, games between now and the end of the season or certainly featuring 20 odd games between now and the end of the season his development pathway seems to be very good he is, has impressed everyone with how he's gone about things at County he is showing improvement you know he's not the finished article yet by by a long stretch but i think the experience he will gain by having um yeah a second season at county under Coco will really benefit him. He's you know part of the the Wales setup as well. Um, I think he's a, a young man who's going places. I doubt he will still be playing fo- uh, fourth division football in a season's time. I would expect him to make a, a step um, a, another rung up the league somewhere but um yeah, so far we're big fans of country file, and uh, yeah, we hope that he can continue to flourish and blossom over the months ahead. Drard, thank you very much.
0: Brilliant, thank you for that. Um, yeah, let's hope that his fitness improves and his, um, like I say, his performances go from strength to strength. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably ironic that if he just stuck around, stuck around, he may have got himself a game or two being a centre half. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's like I say, under three, under captain now, under 21s, anti under 18s, so he's got you know, he's, he's got leadership qualities as well. And you know, possibly a
1: player in there. Let's, uh, let's hope he keeps progressing well. I mean, I hope uh, so, Dad, because I, I said to you last week, right, that when we think about, you know, young players coming through, I think we've always generally had a, you know, a... A young centre back, at least one. Like we've, I think we've probably been a bit spoilt, You know, Nathan Collins and Suter and people like that. We've been very spoiled kind of I'd say, the last few years. Yeah, a Taylor exactly. So, I think the thing I said to you last week is, you know, we take these people out of the equation that we've got in the first team now. Have we really got anyone in the youth ranks that is even coming close uh, to to kind of challenging? And I think for me, the answer is nowhere near. Um, so. Yeah, I guess, really, I'm interested to see what happens with Baker. Uh, He's only, what, I think he's 20 years old. Um, I think he's 21, maybe, uh, kind of early early next year. So if that is the case, then I think he, as a player, will probably want to start discovering where he sits in that pecking order. Is he someone a bit like a Connor Taylor where, you know, he has a good season out on loan this year, and then next is somebody who's going to be there trying to, you know, fight to be on the bench and to be another backup player. Um, I think he will want to. I don't think he'll want to be going, you know, 21, 22, 23 and not having played proper first team football other than a few alone appearances out there. If he's going to have a career at Stoke, he's probably going to want to be at least challenging next season, I imagine.
0: Yeah, I think it all depends on the progression of the club as well, doesn't it? If we are. Yeah. Yeah, if, if we are still mulling around in the bottom third of this championship, I think it's a lot easier to get inside than than if we are, uh, you know, top six, top eight, or well, heaven forbid, promoted. <laughs> then it becomes a whole different ball game, doesn't it, for youngsters trying to get through? Um, yeah, I think that we can do a lonely review without mentioning Lewis Macari's goal last weekend. Did you see his sort of first sort of professional goal
1: at Notts County? Yeah, it wasn't a bad tap-in,
0: was it? (laughs) Yeah, just to win the game later on. Stick it in the top corner from, was it, 25 yards? Um, But, yeah, fantastic. Well done to her. Again, another one who can play (laughs) centre-half. It's out on loan. Um, Yeah, now, you just mentioned about us having no-one really in the youth ranks. Centre-back who's sort of, you know, coming through and put eyes on him and stuff. So this week, we've actually given a contract to a certain Freddie Anderson, son of Viv Anderson, former England international, um, signed him in from Man City in the summer. Obviously, he been there for, I think it was seven years. He'd been in Man City, he's either seven or nine. Um, and obviously, he's come in. He's been fantastic. 16 years old, he was. Fantastic. Uh, Under-18s, gone into the under-21 side. And this week, this week, he's turned seventeen on his seventeenth birthday. Stoke have uh, stuck a professional contract in front of him and said, uh, "Sign this, lad." So he looks like all all being well. Is, is maybe the next one off the uh, conveyor belt?
1: Well, he's got some caliber behind him. You don't, you know, you don't have that that background with. Without some potential, um, again, long, long way to go. So it'd be interesting to see whether he goes out on loan next season. Obviously, with him being obviously legally able to to do so. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to see what level he goes to. I imagine we'll probably want to get him into a maybe a League Two uh, to begin with. That's normally a good baptism of fire uh, for for a lot of young players. Uh, maybe we'll look at our normal stumping grounds as well. Maybe so, you know the. I mean the Walsalls of this world, uh, wouldn't be surprised. We seem to have good ties with them. Uh Burton, um, certainly not Port Vale, mind you. Rexham, <laughs> you know not too far. I was thinking Rex I and mean, I'm thinking will they will they feel with the money they've got that they might be a little bit above him? I mean, I dunno, you never know, dear. Uh but either way, yeah, we've we've got some good ties. So I think we need to, to use them to the best of Bristol Rovers. I mean they they love a good centre back. Sacked um, Joe Barton today, though, haven't they? It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, wherever Joey Barton goes next, how about that?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I'd like say, he's, uh, hopefully he's going to come good. And obviously, during the fine his- recent history of Stoke players having ex-professional footballer dads, <laughs> add another one to the list. Uh, other news. So... We've Kyron Clark now. I said didn't I? The under twenty ones uh, hadn't played a proper Invicta Games game. they What they did, they played a behind closed doors friendly against Derby this week, uh, which was basically just to give them all a bit of a fitness uh, boost ahead of getting back to league action, and also give Kyron Clark an hour. So it's good that he got through an hour's football. He's not didn't get injured. All good, mate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's got a lot of potential. We we know, we know, I say potential, but like he's a 20 year old. Um, I, I mean, is in he's someone who can really challenge that that centre back spot. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether. I'm guessing he's going to probably start on the bench. I don't think he's going to be able to command a, a starting place to begin with. But uh, again, yeah, you're right. Behind the behind closed doors, uh, get a couple of them under his belt. Maybe he will make the bench. Maybe um at the weekend I think I might be a little bit surprised but yeah I I think he is going to be a good body to have around the uh, the ground so um yeah for me I I think he was a sensible signing and as long as he gets fit in the next couple of weeks we'll we'll get some good some good work out of him I think between now and the end of the season
0: yeah um injury, other injury news Katie Pete Smith uh, he says that uh, Tesco is still with the under 18s at Stoke uh, working up his fitness before returning to the first-team squad. Uh, Terry Campbell progressing well and ahead of schedule. Hopefully uh, his injury isn't as bad as first thought, or at least his recovery is going better than he, they thought it would. Uh, and Lewis Baker is uh, maybe just a couple of weeks away from back in full training now uh, after his sort of knee operation as this, just for the season got underway. So all promising by the sounds of it. Um, and yes, also mentioned to say that obviously you know Stoke Southampton were the uh, dire referee that we had uh, that day, and obviously the uh, the kick off towards the end, Medi Larice, uh, when he wasn't happy that uh, Burger, you know, so the, the foul wasn't given on Burger, got himself a book for sense and then there was that you know the all the handbag stuff full time, weren't there between them all, where nobody actually had a bit of a fight, but they all just sort of pushed and grabbed at each other for a couple of minutes. Uh, well, Southampton have been fined £8,000 for that and Stoke have been fined twelve pounds uh, for that little melee and uh, Larissa's little outburst there. So, yeah, it's it's pocket change to to the Coates family in one respect, but it's uh, it's twelve grand off the FFP as well, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder whether with scenarios like that, you know, whether they take it out of maybe... The players' Christmas budgets, or um, you know, is a way of penalising the players because it, the club could turn around and go, "Look, you guys were the idiots. You lot shouldn't have been fighting. Uh, we'll be taken out of this pot of yours to maybe stop it." I, I wonder where it comes from, or whether the club just pay it. I, I, I don't know. Just, just, just a bit of a, a complete out of interest what they would do. I, I guess do you know, we just pay it. <laughs> do
0: you know what I think? I think when they got back in the change room, Alex Neil patted everyone on the back and said, "I would love to see the team spirit. Well done."
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll give me that over people who don't give a crap and just walk off the pitch and not interested. Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, so I, I don't think they'll punish him at all. I think if anything, they'll they'll tell them uh, they're happy to see it. With, like I say, a bit of passion. Um, right. So, any other business? A couple of things here. So, Thursday it's the light show. You want to talk about the light show? Uh, I was yes, I was. Pleasantly surprised. I, I was I didn't? It's not usually my kind of thing, but um, yeah, I was, I was, I was, well impressed. It was really good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was hoping it was going to be good. I mean, obviously, I took Josh uh, with me as well, and um, he, just watching his face, he was mesmerised by it all, and uh, he, it it was really well done. Uh, you know, the syncing of the songs. Uh, I love the projector of the, the the crest onto the pitch. I thought that was a really nice touch as well. Obviously, that hadn't been leaked out because people had only seen it from the outside, all the warming up. Um, They got the music right. I can't remember who it was now. Um, uh, Somebody said that it was going to be Sandstorm, and yeah, that was absolutely right. I think the important thing for me with that light show, and I said it today, they're going to have to mix up the music. If it's the same sequence, same music every single week, it's going to be like, playing Delilah over the the tannoy every single week, it becomes very samey samey and people don't give a crap after a few weeks. Um, I hope he doesn't go down that route, but credit to the club. I thought it was really, really good. They nailed it. Did it get the atmosphere better? I don't think it did, but it was fun to watch. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I'm sure all the other kids in the stadium loved it. Um, and just seeing all the little the lights from people's cameras going around sounds like a lot of other people enjoyed it too
0: yeah like I say I think the key there is not to get not to make it too same into week to week um, it'll be interesting I think things like that as well though they're great when you're winning games and so you're doing alright but say maybe in, the, in March if you're still 17th or 18th and you just lost to as a QPR or the weekend before to with a, a different game, into levels. or now look, great light show. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, ah, the other bit of any other business is: Have you seen Sam Clucas's comments this week?
1: Yeah, um, very respectful. Actually, hmm. I didn't. I didn't really expect that. And I heard old Clucas had made a statement. I was that like, oh here we go? <laughs> this
0: this is him running the length of the pitch next time he plays against us. <laughs> But no, it wasn't it wasn't anything like that, was it? Like you say, I was because he sort of doesn't. He, he's not against digging out clubs and opposition. You know, his old supporters uh, when he leaves somewhere. But yeah, he, he said he a friend who hasn't seen. He basically said he would have loved to have stayed another year. Uh, but the manager sat him down and said that basically nobody was staying, and uh, he wanted a reset. And he said, you know what, you bang on. That's exactly what he needs. Um, he just says that he joined Stoke because he looked at the team that we had and he thought, there's no way this isn't going to be a Premier League team. Uh, and he can't believe that he was wrong.
1: <laughs> Good on Clucas. He could have dug us out. He could have found something to moan about. No doubt it wasn't all rosy at his time in Stoke. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, all, all credit to him, actually, for, for being a bit class with it.
0: Yeah, it was interesting he said that he um, when, when he joined, obviously, the problem he said in that first season was that... There were like 28 internationals, if you like. So there was 28 players who were either like, you know, either they'd been Premier League players or international players. He said. And so basically, there was. to oh no, sorry, that like 21. Sorry, 21, 22. He said. So there was three or four of them who weren't even making the squad. He said. So then they start making life awkward for the manager because they don't like him because he's not picking them. He says, and then that spreads into the ones who are on the subs bench. He says, and before you know it, you've got a bigger problem going on, because it's like, as a group, that group gets bigger and bigger and more powerful around the place, and then starts infiltrating the players who are playing, is <laughs> basically I think what he was trying to say. Um, and obviously that will then lead to the manager change, and he was bang on. He used he, he said, what we've been saying, isn't he, that the new manager come in and brought six or seven of his own players in he didn't work so another manager come brought half a dozen of his own players in and before you know it uh, they, they threw back to the Mark O'Neill comment when he first started and he said um, jokingly said so there's, there's, no, there's no we can't buy anyone because there's no room in the changing room <laughs> He said, I think they said something that was ridiculous like 37 players at the time that we had anyway enough about that we do digress We've got a very important game in Middlesbrough on Saturday, so it's time we talked about
4: that. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
0: So, Michael, would you like me to fire some stats at you ahead of this game? Who on, then. So, 104 meetings with Borough, 36 Stoke wins, 25 draws, 43 Borough wins. At Middlesbrough, 52 times we've met. We've been triumphant on eight occasions, 12 draws and a, quite a whopping 32 defeats up on Teesside. In recent times, we have only one win in our last 10 matches, uh, home and away against Middlesbrough. Four draws, five defeats in that time. Uh, and we have no win at Middlesbrough since 1997. Two draws and five losses. Uh, that game, by the way, when we did beat, beat them in 1997, it was a Paul Stewart goal that we won by. And the Middlesbrough team that was ma- managed by Brian Robson had Fabrizio Ravanelli and Paul Merson playing.
1: Well, yeah, I, I might have heard of them, yeah.
0: Yeah, so we we managed to win that game. It was the only time last the like, last quarter of a century. <laughs> um, Alex Neil against Michael Carrick played one, drew one, which was the 1-1 game at Middlesbrough in March. Uh, Carrick's record against Stoke, exactly the same, as you'd imagine. Uh, Alex Neil versus Middlesbrough, There, he's played them 12 times, three wins, four draws, five defeats. At the Riverside Stadium, he has two wins, three draws, and just one defeat in six visits up there. Um, also, his Norwich team beat Middlesbrough 2-0 in the 2015 playoff final. So, uh, yes, that's forever breaking Middlesbrough hearts there isn't he Stoke's away form has them 21st in the away form table just 4 points from 6 games Uh, scored 5 conceded 10 Um, in the last 5 matches we are 8th in the form table with 9 points from those 5 games uh, scored uh, scored six conceded six Middlesbrough's home form in 13th with 10 points from six games scored six conceded five so not many goals in these games at Middlesbrough uh, but in their last they've actually won their last seven matches in a row um, so, yeah, they but they're still not top of the league. T- they're still not top of the form table. That one goes to Leicester, which is how crazy this league is, isn't it? I what don't think anyone's there,
1: going to be beating Leicester to the form table this year. They are completely and utterly dominant, aren't they? Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Borough have not conceded at home in 253 minutes. Uh, in that time, they've scored five goals, those games being at Southampton, Cardiff, and Birmingham. Uh, in the, I mentioned that they won seven games in a row, they've scored 16 and conceded four in them seven matches. Uh, Riley McGree is Middlesbrough's top scorer of the season with only three goals. Now, he's injured for the weekend. Uh, but yeah three goals only Sheffield Wednesday have got a top scorer on less goals than Middlesbrough although they have had 12 different goal scorers already this season which is quite impressive Stoke by the way have had 10 different goal scorers but only Andre Villegal has scored more than once so the other nine have all got one goal each so it would be nice to get another one now, Hayden Hackney is suspended after picking up his fifth booking of the season in the last minute of Tuesday's game. Stoke, as we mentioned earlier on, have got Johnson, Loren, Thompson and Berger all one away from a ban. Uh, and for all his struggles, Michael Rose's passing stats of 83.5% success rate, only bettered in the by the Stoke squad by Ben Pearson, who's on 88.4%. Um, just to put into context, the other centre-backs, um, you've got Luke McNally's on 77% and Ben Wilmot on 75% success rate. Um, so, yeah, maybe Rose is a better pass for a ball than we, than we maybe see with our eye. Or maybe it's just statistics are lying.
1: <laughs> I'd say long balls. There was a one last night that he played it was an absolute peach. Uh, like, long balls, great. Just don't let the guy pass you know, anything less than 30 yard passes, please, and we'll be will be okay.
0: Um how about this? Ben Pearson has seven league yellow cards a season, despite only making 15 fouls all season. So you know he just think players' reputation gets them boot. Do you think that's a case of that? He gets a yellow card for every other foul he makes.
1: No, I just think that the decisions that in the position that he's in He's just making the tackles, which are typically last ditch tackles um, or you know really important you know breaks and stuff like that. So I just think that's the nature of his role, which is why when everyone gives him stick for oh Pearson's got another yellow, I'm like to be honest, that's almost his job. To, he's <laughs> the nature of of what he's doing is going to get him booted. Um, the fact he doesn't get more red cards is quite staggering, actually. reminds
0: mm. me James O'Connor. I remember James O'Connor getting fifteen yellow cards twice two seasons in a row without ever getting sent off. <laughs> um but anyway yes 15 fouls is actually less than Birgit with 18, Loren with 19 and Daniel Johnson with 20. Right, referee stats. This is quite simple, really quick one this week. Andrew Kitchen is his name. Uh, this season he's ref nine games, twenty-two yellows, one red, three penalties awarded. He's had five home wins, four draws, and not a single-away win all season. Uh has he ever reffed Stoke before? The answer is no. Has he ever reffed Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough before? The answer is no. Uh he looks a bit like Nathan Jones, is probably what I can say about him. Um, but he has he's ref 57 EFL League games so far in his career, uh, mainly in League One, League Two. Uh, he's only ever ref twice in the Championship, which, uh, interestingly, were Plymouth 6, Norwich 2, QPR 1, Swansea 1, both games in September this year. Uh, he also took charge of the All-Championship game in the Carabao Cup, between Blackburn and Cardiff, which ended 5-2 to Blackburn. So he does like, seems like his goals when he gets up to the Championship, doesn't he? Uh, but, yeah, there's no, no history with either club there. Uh, on this day... No, we have some we have some good ones on this day, don't we? On this day, Sir Stanley Matthews made his second debut for Stoke Saturday, the twenty eighth of October, nineteen sixty one. Forty-six years old. Into the, crowd, the crowd at Stoke for the previous game was less than nine thousand. The crowd for this game, do you want to have a guess what it was? Thirty-four. Oh. 35,974 quadrupled the crowd. Um, and then obviously Stoke would go on to win promotion at the end of that season. I think Tony Waddington said he brought him back and it was the finances of bringing him back that helped him build the squad that then went and uh, you know got promotion, stayed up and then obviously you had the success that we did in the 60s and 70s.
1: Oh, yes. That, so that, what, that, what that, you're saying, sorry Dan. So what you're saying, we need to bring Phil Jagielka out of out of retirement, um, and that will lead us to promotion. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm not sure he's going to put twenty seven thousand on the gate. Oh. Okay. No offense, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So what are you thinking, mate? I mean, do you want to have a listen to uh, Graham and our Middlesbrough sporting friend Johnny before we we uh, have our views?
4: Yeah, go for it. Hello there, you Potters predictors. Well, what a great 3 points it was on Wednesday night at the Bet365 Stadium against promotion-chasing Leeds United. It also ended a long run without a success at home, and they got the three points with a goal coming, of course, late on in the game, this after Leeds United... Patrick Bamford has skied a penalty way over the crossbar Stoke the better team in the first half had to play second best probably in the second half but they showed great resilience and now they hopefully can build on what have been two excellent home wins against sides who are hoping to be in the promotion playoff places or even in automatic promotion places by the end of the season now they've got a Tough game coming up against Middlesbrough who've really hit four at the moment. They're on a great run of winning games under Michael Carrick. But Stoke have got some newfound confidence and hopefully they can come back from the long trip from the northeast with some more points on the board. I'm going to go for a draw. Middlesbrough won, Stoke won
5: hello guys johnny here from the borough breakdown podcast i'm here to give you a bit of a preview of borough's game against stork at the riverside at the weekend um, and congratulations as well on your win against leeds united too it's always a good win when you beat them though isn't it Um uh, but as for borough um we've just had a tale of two uh two hearts so far in terms of the season you know had a really bad start to the season of course to winning the first seven games and now we're on a a seven game win streak um, in all competitions, which is absolutely insane, you know, I think it, we did need a bit of time to bed quite a few players in. you know we've signed quite a lot of young players, and we're hoping to really try and build a squad this year. and in case of like last year, if you if you don't remember, that we had quite a lot of lone players last year and we had to replace them. We lost like sixty six goals pretty much overnight. I mean, we lost Cameron Archer. We lost Aaron Ramsey. Ryan Giles was contributing quite a lot to that. And obviously up on leaving in the summer as well. So we had big holes to fill. Um, but we've started to really kick up um, over the last couple of weeks. You know, in terms of uh, our playing style, we we've we started the season in a four-two-four, but now we've adjusted our ways. Ever so slightly back to that, probably that 3 2 5 where you've seen a lot of Mills would player last year, but it's more of a 2 this year, it's more of a 2 3 5 um, where you'll see our full backs come in uh, more centrally, or you'll see a uh, lucas engel if he's fit um on that left-hand side really bombing up and down trying to get the ball in the box but we're creating plenty of chances playing good at the moment but there's really one downside. um we have a lot of injuries and suspension as well to hey hackney who has been influential in the midfield um our injuries are racking up and we are pretty much using that depth very wisely at the moment uh, you know it's quite difficult for us um especially with some really key players like Rylan McGree it's probably the name uh, which I think he's the biggest influence on our side you know he's fantastic football but Sam Greenwood um, who we got on loan from Leeds uh, this season has been tremendous in his in his, in his his place so it's going to be really interesting as, as you guys come to the Riverside um, at the weekend it's going to be a really tight game I think we always struggle against Stoke um, over like the last couple of seasons and Alex Neal always seems to have our number and it really frustrates me um, you know I can never forgiven for that result uh for norwich when the beers in the playoff final but how do i see the game going i think it's gonna be really really tight and i think borough may just just edge it two one um fingers crossed and um, we can get something as well but you guys obviously you bought a lot of players and the summer. they need time to bed in as well we have been quite similar and hopefully it kicks on for you guys as well but yeah very tight uh on, on saturday i'm going for that 2-1 borough win Cheers, Johnny, and of course,
0: thank you also, Graham, for that. Um, yes. What are you thinking then, mate? How, how are you thinking this weekend is gonna go?
1: Um oh. very tough, but is this not a bit like Leeds and a bit like Sunderland? It's not is this not the exact game where Stoke go and win because people don't think we should? Is this just typical Stoke City again? Um that's my gut feeling. I've predicted two games in a row now, and I've got got it right. So I hope you're keeping score, by the way, of this league table uh, for the season. Yes, I'll get you a nice update for the next game. Yes, please, because I've been I got a correct result as well, and I I, I think oh I think I think Graham may have gone a draw against Sunderland or Leeds, so I think I beat him on that one. I must be top. I must be top. But uh, yeah, anyway, so. I think it's going to be extremely tough from looking at the, some of the news around Middlesbrough, it looks like they're going to be able to put a, a similar team out that they've been pointing out in recent weeks. I think the, the general story is, I think there's going to be a bit of fresh legs going on. I think it's Samuel Silvera and Morgan Rogers, are uh, uh, potential options um, in the final third, I believe uh, they may make a change. Cause I think Hayden Hackney is serving that one match ban. I think he might have mentioned that to me. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's another one. I think it's Dan. Oh, God, I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, but he, he's going to be re- replaced. But they're not really expecting to make many changes. And a team that, let's be honest, they've won six uh, in a row now. Uh, they're going to be full of confidence. I think that's the thing there. But also, full of confidence doesn't necessarily. You know, th- 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 it's going to come to an end. A bit like Leicester, it's going to come to an end at some point. And, you know, look, we are confident. We've got to put ourselves in that ring. We've just beaten third and fourth. There's nothing to say we can't go and beat Middlesbrough as well. Now, with that, obviously, if we go and beat Middlesbrough, it'd be very interesting because we've gone from, well, Christ, we're going to be struggling uh, for buddy, you know, relegation here. And I'm not saying we're going to go and start gaining Playoffs and stuff like that, but you know, you add another. Well, I'm trying to get the table up now. So, what we're on, we are on 16 points, 19 points puts us 10th, um, and then another three points on that puts us what? Where are we? Uh, puts us fourth. So, within two games, you could all of a sudden change the course of well, the the potential course of the season, if we can keep these people fit as well. It's really getting ahead of myself, and I appreciate that. Um, And I'm not saying we're necessarily going to do it. But how crazy is it that we can be as crap as we've been this season and two wins could go and put you in the playoffs? People have said this is a great league, blah, blah, blah. It's still the same open division that it always is. There's just a few exceptional teams. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll give my prediction I suppose uh, while, while I'm at it so um, you know what I'm going to go 1-1 I'm going to go for a draw I think they will score first and I think we'll equalise I think we'll win
0: I'm going to tell you why now I think mm-hmm. uh, Tommy Smith's out for the season he's done his uh, he's done his Achilles they've already got top scorer uh, mentioned Riley McGree he's out and uh, Force, he's a key player for them, he's out. Darragh, um Lenahan, key player, he's out as well. But for me, the big most important player they possibly could be missing is Hayden Hackney. Now, we mentioned him, we both said he's suspended. Now, let me just tell you just what a big miss he could actually be. So, I think he obviously plays in the midfield for Middlesbrough. He has more passes... Thousand and fifty, and completed nine hundred and fourteen than any other player in the squad. The key, though, is that he has made a hundred and twenty passes into the final third. The next most out of anyone in the Middlesbrough squad is Johnny House with fifty-one. So, I think they are losing that link between midfield and attack. The ball, the player that gets the ball from the midfield into the front three. I think he, he's gone. he gone. He's the one who does it, do you know what I mean? He's the guy, he's also done more switches um, of anyone in the squad, by far, more than double anyone else. So I think he's the one they give the ball to and spread the, you know, spread the play, get the ball into the front, the front lines. And I think without him there, who's going to be doing that job for them? And it may be that they struggle to get the ball forward quick enough or accurately enough, and I think they're really gonna miss him. Uh, but it's not even his on hes um it's not even his on the ball stuff as well. Uh he's also made more tackles and blocks than any other player, so he's pretty much you know key defensive and key sort of attacking midfielder for them. So I think he's gonna be a massive loss, happening. I think they're gonna leave a big hole in the, in the mid, Middlesbrough midfield, just at the time when our midfield seems to be clicking. And um, you know, just, just working as as a unit now when they've all sort of know their own jobs. And I, yeah, I think that's where we're gonna win the game. I think that's suspension, and we were quite to be honest, we've had a little bit of luck in the past week. Let's not be let's not be too on the bush, you know, we missed penalties, own goals. Um Sunderland, you know, they hit the post towards the end as well, didn't they? And that that booking that he suspended with was picked up in like the last minute of the game. And like I say, just little things like that. It's just the tide's just turning for Stoke at the minute. They're just getting a little bit of luck. And it just shows in this league everything is that that equal that when you do get a little bit of luck, it, it that is what wins your games because the teams out on the pitch, nine times out of ten, are pretty much toss a coin, aren't
2: they?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's those individual moments. We saw that when we lost Vidigal, you know, I know it's not midfield really, but um still, you know, you, you lose your threat. So, you know what, that's a, that's a great bit of um, analysis potentially, done. Like, you know, if that's what they're going to lose, maybe, I don't know who's going to come in for them in terms of quality-wise, but you'd imagine that, I mean, the fact that he said the next one's a bit of a distance away, you'd probably say that that is their main man, so you take him out of the equation. Yeah, we've we've potentially got a chance. Um, I'm going to stick to my 1-1 because I think it'd be wrong for me to change it based on, on one comment now. Um, so, I, I guess if we win this, as you're predicting, do you think that everyone will get carried away very, very quickly? Or will you get carried of course. away quickly? I, I, will get carried away. I will not get carried
0: away. I do not. I'm not an emotional man. I'm devoid of emotion. I get told all the time. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm quite level-headed. I sort of try and look at it. But it would... If they're going to beat Middlesbrough, that is three fantastic wins and they win a week. And... You know, Alex Neil can give himself a big pat on the back and give the players a pat on the back because to, to go and win three games in this league isn't easy at any point and to do that you know, against the three sides it was done, like I say, fourth in the league third in the league, second in the form table a fan, you know, would be an absolutely fantastic achievement um, one thing I will say, three league wins in a row we've done it once um, since 2015 Okay. So, yeah, and that was we were at that. That was Blackpool away when we were there. That was one of the games. Um, I think Luton away, and there was a home game before it. Uh, but yeah, that was the only time, which was in November twenty twenty one, I believe. Yeah, the only time since so twenty fifteen that we managed three, three consecutive victories. Um, one thing I will say, we had year you know, we we've had 22 22 times a season that we've pressed and won the ball like high up off the opposition defense and not once have we managed to turn that into a goal yet. so surely you yeah, know we 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 do you think that, do you think that's to do with the fact that we haven't had Vidigal or may available for most of the season? do you think like you know if if we'd have had those two more clinical finishes shall we say, available then we probably would have taken advantage of some of those winning the ball in dangerous areas. Um
1: mm, possibly uh I think we've been pressing really well though up there. I think it'd be probably harsh on the players that have that have been there if I'm honest with you. I think Daniel Johnson's been pressing really well. Um I mean Juno strangely, had a couple of chances did really well and there's been missing for a couple of games I don't know, I, I think we've been doing pretty decent at that Dan, I think it's just been other teams have been able to get past us um, in, in those moments rather than us necessarily being a personnel thing um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into it personally well, Hopefully we
0: can uh, find the net in one of those situations soon um, One other thing to notice as well you you'll, I don't know if we're there to bump up the, these uh, statistics for this team uh, but we, we've we conceded seven goals from set pieces this season which is a league high uh, five away from home which is also a league high uh, Middlesbrough though, have only scored twice off set pieces all season so is it a good thing that they aren't uh, great at, at converting set pieces or have they just been waiting for Stoke to rock into town to boost their number up a bit
1: uh, I think the answer to that is we've been practicing our set pieces, and I think the last couple of games we've um, we've done really well. Actually, I think we've probably only really can, can kind of conceded one key opportunity from set pieces, but I think we've really really turned it around. And I think you know a large part of that is trevor's having to to come out and take some pressure off his defence as well.
0: Do you think that's having a settled midfield and a settled centre backs as well?
1: Um, it certainly helps that they, they they know their role. Uh, it helps that Josh Loren's been dropped as well because he's great at losing his man and in, in, in the, the defensive positions. Um, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, Jeff, it, it, we just need to give on Rose a post tomorrow, now, don't we? We we do, we do, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, of course, continuity is always going to be a good thing. It's never a bad thing. Um, so yeah, it's probably got a part to play.
0: And on that note, I'm going to give you my team in continuity... Is the order of the day in the defence and midfield. So I've got Travers in goal. I've got Hoover, McNally, and Rose all retain, retaining their places. And Ender Stevens is going to come back in at left back. I think he was only rested on the Wednesday. I don't think he was dropped at all. I think it was just a case of he'd had a long time out injured, uh, quite a few weeks. And the managers obviously knew we got three games and he was just making, didn't want to put too much on him in one go. Um, Same defence here, Dan. We will get to more about resting players after long injuries in a minute. Um, Pearson Berger, Johnson in midfield. Are you midfield similar?
1: Uh, It would have been. My only... The only thing I think he might do, I think he could drop Johnson, only be to rest him. I think he's had a very, very busy few weeks. I would not be surprised if Loren comes in uh, for him. I wouldn't personally do that change myself. I would rather have a, a Juno or, or some someone a bit more um, pacey who can play that free role. I don't think Josh is the best man, but maybe if Josh was to drop back with Pearson a bit more, Berger could be that, that man, potentially. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Johnson does get rested, actually.
0: I just I thought with the... Um, we're mentioning as well about Hackney being out for them and then maybe searching for something in midfield and not being 100% sure about who's going to be taking up that role that he's obviously key to doing and our sort of unit, they know each other now, they know each other's games and they seem to be comfortable in knowing why like, you're doing this, I'm sort of taking uh, my job is to be in this position when we're on the ball, this position when we're off the ball and I think that just might steal as a march. That's why I left the midfielders the same, personally. Um, Larice on the right wing. I've got hak on the left and Wesley down the middle. Now, I think they may be controversial choices. Um, mm. But I. the last thing I want to see is Vidigal or Mai limping out because we've thrown them into three consecutive games, three consecutive tough games, uh, after they've all been out since August. So Okay. And they're on um, the bench. They can come on. Wesley, his tail's gonna be up after after you know the header that you got us the win essentially. Uh Haksabanovich is gonna be chomping at the bit because he's you know, he did well. I think he's maybe going to feel that he's unfairly been dropped out the side um and he needs to come and you know make an impression and push his way back in. I think Vidigal was a you know second off. He sort of went a bit quieter, and you wonder whether you know are we pushing him too much. Same with probably Ryan Mai, um, a little bit quieter as the game went on against Leeds. So like I say, they'll be refreshed, and you know, I think you'll get a good
1: twenty-five, thirty minutes out of the pair of them if required. Um, I see. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna see rationale behind it. You know me. I'm not gonna put Wesley ahead of. Uh ryan i don't think i just think he may offers too much to be honest um so i think ryan will stay for me Lloris has to stay on the ride i love haksa i think he's a i think he's a great player but you can't drop Lloris right now um but i'm keeping vidigal in um he's been injured he's coming back i still think he's going to need a bit more you know getting back up to speed again um, he, he looks pretty good at, anyway, to be honest. But I, I think you'll you'll get Vidigal on, and I'm very much of the nature of, like let's get let's get Vidigal starting. If we can get ourselves in a position where we go and win the game, we can take him and, re- and rest him later on in the match. Let's try and win the match first, and then we can take people off. Uh, but I get I get your reasoning. Uh,
0: no. Subs, we don't usually hang on too much to, but do you know, it's just amazing what a difference a couple of weeks can do. Uh, my bench is Barnum, Gooch, uh, Junho Ho, Lowe, May, Vidigal, Thompson, Lorraine, and Clark. Is there anyone you can notice who's missing off that bench? There's no okay. junior Chamadu okay. I know, and I'm like, I sat here. I was like, what can I do? And I thought, well, obviously, we need a goalkeeper for bottom. Obviously, we need a striker, so that's low. May, low and May strikers, I want two of them on the bench. Thompson Lorraine midfielders, fair enough. Clark's she only centre off. So, Gooch is a bit of a utility man, can play anywhere. Bay's a nice attacking player I have coming on. And I was like, well, what can I do? Obviously, how, how can I fit a junior in? And I thought, you know what, you might just be the unlucky guy here who, you know, because, obviously, like I say, Gooch can play forward, in defence, midfield, attacking, You can play anywhere, that it's like, well, we can do without Junior because we've got Gooch and the others all offer a bit of something off the bench in different scenarios. Um so yeah, as, as as much I'd really as much I love Junior, <laughs> uh, I think he, he he might be the unfortunate sacrificial lamb.
1: Mm, only so many spaces. Yeah, okay, fair enough. As, as you said though, what what a difference a couple of weeks makes. It's a very strong bench versus having to shove some really young players who have never played a, a professional game for us before onto there. So yeah, just just a few weeks and we're we're looking stronger already.
0: I, know I actually only do a bit of research into Dixon, who was on the bench last time. Like I've seen the name, but I don't know anything about him. <laughs> but I didn't realise he was this close to the first team squad. What's going on? <laughs> um, I said I don't think he's, he's very close right now with all the players are back. Uh, right, we're going to head into Super Six mate. Oh yeah, by the way, my prediction: I am going to go for two-one. I said we'd win. We go for a two-one victory. Uh, I think Haksabanovich and then Berger are going to score the goals for me. Uh, yes, Super 6. Now, you had a good week this week, mate. 11 points takes you to a one around 160th in the table. So you're climbing up. It's two consecutive weeks now, midweek and uh, last weekend. You're climbing up by the league up into 60th. I... Also got 11 points, take me to 119, and I actually sit joint 7th overall. So uh, I've had a cracking start, if I do say so myself.
1: (laughs) I I have helped you out this season. I've told you to set a reminder so you don't miss the midweeks, because I think that's how I beat you last year, is that that you you did miss a number of midweek games. And uh, Um... I got to the point where I was like, (laughs) I've told him 10 times. I'm not going to tell him again. It's his own fault. He can now finish last.
0: Um, yes I did miss a lot of weeks last week Look, I haven't set remind reminder you know But I've got it ingrained into my brain now that I'd have to check it Keep checking it Do it You're welcome And um, yes So I'm doing quite well um, So yes overall uh, So we've got Michael Gadgeter is on 134 Nicholas Yates on 132 And Simon Hume on 124 They are our medalists so far Uh, so yes just to say you three I'm coming for you I'm not too far behind I am coming for you Uh, Gaffer I've got 57 points this week on Gaffer I'm up to 34th overall with 677 Uh, these three though I don't think I am coming for them I think they're a bit too far a bit too good for me Uh, Stoke is Bay It's top on 996 Jamie Gaffer has got 994 uh, so them two are really close. And then at third, Joe is on 973 in third place. Uh, so, yeah, well done to you So, I haven't missed any really of that, and I'm, I'm not doing that good. <laughs> uh, right, mate, so I believe you've got a quiz for me, and I've got a quiz for you this week. Let's uh, see yeah, i I'm first? not doing,
1: I'm not doing your quiz, Dan, just to point that out. You can do mine.
0: Come on yeah. then, I'll do your quiz first and then you can do mine after, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> OK, right, so, yeah, the Who Am I? I think you'll get this relatively quickly, uh, cool. so that should be nice and quick anyway, with the quizzes. So, I played for the Nigerian national team scoring on my debut in a 3-2 win over Malawi in 2000. can buy. Nope. I played 18 games for Stoke, scoring two goals in the process.
0: Oh, eighteen and two goals. That could be an attacker, or oh, it could be anyone, couldn't it? And two, scored That's two thousand. Um, say, say,
1: Yes, my friend. Well done excellent yeah bit, that was really quick i didn't think you were going to get it that quickly um i thought you'd get these next ones so it's a uh, sign from walls for a fee of three million scored my first goal for the club three months later against everton uh, i later signed for Hull city and scored my first goal for hall in a two-on win against stoke in november 2009 and the one which you 100% would have got as i scored against arsenal having fumbled the ball in off my chest from three yards out I
0: think 99% um, of state fans could tell you that one. (laughs) They
1: were around at the time. I think so. And thank you to Martin Birch as well, who is probably listening. Uh, I asked him at work today, what player should I go for to try and get Dan? And we tried to find somebody who you would have heard of, but not someone so obscure that I couldn't find any hints about. So, mate, to do it on the second one, uh, you never cease to amaze me how good you are at these things and how shockingly bad I am. So, um, yeah. I'm sure we're about to show me up, so wrap no. on with yours.
0: <laughs> right, so I'm going to give you some tips, so this is the six times challenge, so I want off you, obviously we got um some really old players play for Stoke in recent times, haven't we? <laughs> so, it, it's a bit mean, it, it feels a bit mean, now I'm saying it, but the last 25 years, who are the six oldest players to play for Stoke? And I will tell you, I'll give you good hints, Four of them are goalkeepers. So that narrows it right down for
1: you. Okay. Um so four goalkeepers and then and how how many years, sorry? It's in the last 20 so from 1998 onwards. 1998 onwards, okay. Um so um Phil jagielka has gotta be up there, right? For the one of the oldest
0: ones is number one. His last appearance was May May the 8th, 2023. He was 40 years, 8 months and 21 days. Wow,
1: yeah. I, I wonder when the next time we're going to have uh, something like that. Um, okay, well, another one, uh, Shay Given has got to be up there, I imagine. He is second on the list. He oh. was
0: 40, 40 years, 4 months and 29 days on his last game, which was September the 18th, 2016.
1: Okay, and you said twenty years. So, so, there's a few goalkeepers that come to mind, and I'm like, I don't know what year. How many lives have I got? For this? three, three lives. Okay, um, so I think he's a bit too old. Shay, uh, oh. Shay, given what goalkeepers have we had? Oh, Tommy. How old was Tommy Sorensen when he left us?
5: Oh, um, I'm
1: gonna go. My Neville, no, 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 he's too. That's too long. Sorry, I'm thinking Neville Southall, but Neville Southall would have been older than twenty years by a long way. I think. Um, We've got three lives. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go Neville Southall then, but surely that's too long ago.
0: May the third, nineteen ninety-eight. Really. Yeah, he was in the side that played the first season at the Britannia Stadium, as it was then. And we got relegated. He was 30... I don't says 39-7. Uh, and I don't know if that's his years and months or his weights and stones and pounds at the time. But yeah, 39 years, seven months, 17
1: days he was on his last game for Stoke. So he is
0: third on the list.
1: Okay, that has surprised me. I genuinely thought he was older. Okay, Um, so I think now, goalkeepers, goalkeepers. I'm going to throw it out there. I've got three lives. Is Tommy Sorensen one of them? No, he's a good one to get because he
0: is sixth on the list. So 37 years, 10 months and 29 days on May the 11th, 2014, when he played his last game. So what that means is that four and five are over 37 and 10 months when they played their last
1: game. So uh, now you know what kind of ballpark you're looking at. Oh, I wonder if that's a bit of a... Oh, okay, right, okay. What about Lee Grant, East A brothers, towards the back end of his career?
0: No, Lee Grant. I've got the top twelve. here. Lee Grant doesn't make the top twelve. Uh, I think he was about thirty-four. So I reckon.
1: Right. Okay.
0: He went and joined um, Manchester United, and he had about three years there. Yeah. Um. Oh, Ed De Hoy. Hoy. Now he is your last goalkeeper on the top six. He's oh. in fourth place. 39 years, one month and eight days. His last game was January 28th, 2006. So you've got one more to go.
1: Oh, the John Rudge interview just came back to my head when we were talking about Ed Dehoy. Um, <laughs> okay, and this isn't a goalkeeper now, right? No. Oh, okay, right. Oh, Jesus. absolutely kick yourself, if you do not guys. You've got two lives. Um... And he's going to be around the 36 37 years old range. Yeah, so
0: Tommy Sorensen was 37, 10, mm. 29. Ed DeHuy was 39, 1, and 8. And it's between that, he's in between those two. Wow, there's so many people that can be.
1: Um, oh, I would. No, 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 no. No, I was going to say Glenn Whelan, but he wasn't that old when he left us. Okay, right, so. Oh, my God, it's got to be, it's got to be Peter Crouch, and it? It is Peter Crouch. Yes, come on. It's,
0: it's <laughs> 7 years, 11 months, 27 days. His last game was January 26, 2019. Oh, yes, gosh. well done. Done you with two lives to spare. <laughs> uh,
1: better than previous weeks, come on. <laughs> the other
0: seven to twelve, just just to, just for a bit of interest for you, mate. Andy Lonergan was seventh. I'm like, I'm good job. He wasn't <laughs> in the top six. That's going to say. <laughs> uh, Carlo Nash was eighth. Oh, Nash. Okay. I yeah. like this one, Berker Christensen. ninth. Remember him?
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone for him though. No.
0: All goalkeepers, aren't they? <laughs> seven, eight, nine.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, tenth is Rory Delap.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: eleventh, Steve Guppy. Right and 12, Tony Dorigo.
1: There go, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yes. okay, Mate, I, I, I'm, I I'm happy with that. Six.
0: Yes, well done. You have conquered the Six Towns Challenge.
1: Wahey. There you go, Martin. If you're listening, that's that. I told you I'd do it. Um, <laughs> so
0: conquered just... Sunderland, we've conquered Leeds, conquered Who Am I, conquered Six Towns Challenge. And just to round it all off, this weekend we're going to go and conquer Middlesbrough, are we?
2: We are. Certainly so.
0: Go on, Stoke.
2: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ.